That is uh, Pastor Igor, um, who is uh, in our Lviv church in uh, Ukraine. Thank you, buddy. And um, wanted to say thank you again. We've served with them in person. Thank you. Um, we've served with them in person uh, over the years, uh, ministering uh, there in Lviv and also in Kiev. And so um, for all of you who've given during this trying time, um, that's a testimony to um, how God's been using uh, your generosity, uh, even in the midst of the war that's broken out. And so thank you. Um, thank you so much for that. And uh, our churches around the world appreciate it. So guys, good to see you. Uh, <laughs> uh, I am happy to be home. Happy to be home. <laughs> it is good to travel and see what God's doing in the world. But I'm telling you, there's no place like home. <laughs> there's no place like home. And it is so good to see your smiling, beautiful faces. Um, thank you so much for your prayers. Um, and again, I just wanted to say what an amazing time it was, both in uh, Luxembourg and in Paris. Um, uh, our uh, very own Sarah Baker will be back next week to uh, help testify along with our man, Gabe Price. Come on now, give it up for Gabe Price. Yes, missionary. <laughs> Taking that gospel, you know, around the world. And so with that in mind, I just want to tell you God has uh, been moving um, in the city of Luxembourg. God has been moving in the city of Paris and our church, uh, church uh, there is doing well. Um, many of you who were, had the opportunity many years ago to meet our uh, friend, longtime friend and uh, church planter who was there uh, with his wife and family in Paris. And they have a church that's going strong right now. And statistically, uh, Paris or in France as a whole is 1%. Imagine this, 1% Christian, 1%. Uh, and that's not an exaggeration, right? Because you have years of atheism sewn into and developing in the culture and Luxembourg um, experiencing the same. And many people um, said that there's a, it has a reputation uh, for being close to the gospel, but we're here to give you a different report. We're here to give you a different report that everybody, almost everybody, let me not exaggerate, almost everybody <laughs> that we spoke to was wide open to the gospel wide open to the gospel, so much so that one person made a solid decision to turn from their sin to life and serve Jesus Christ. We are getting to, that's right, the Bible says go over land and sea to win a single convert, right? And we're not going to make them twice the son of hell as we are. But at the same time, at the same time, there were other people who are now in the valley of decision who were thanking us saying, you know what, I've not thought about this before. You know, I've not considered these things before. And you know what? I need to read the Bible now. I need to, I see how science and faith actually coincide with one another. They complement one another and do not contradict. That philosophy and the things of this world, you know, that ultimately the truth that God's presenting in his word, all truth is ultimately God's truth. And I have a better way to consider things now. And the truth of the matter is, is that our team over there is actually also launching, just as we're launching tonight, this alpha course, they're launching an alpha course there. They're launching an alpha course there so that the people who are considering things and walking through the, what it means to serve the living God can actually come to reasonable and biblical faith in Christ. Okay? So thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your sending. And our church there says hello. Okay? So with that in mind, this is, as Pastor Cole talked about, Pentecost Sunday. 
and so what that means is uh, something to different people at different times, right? When you hear the word Pentecost, some of you might have had a Pentecostal experience, right? Growing up in a church setting, some of you might have only had a caricature in your mind. Some of you might have actually had an experience where you read it biblically, but didn't actually understand what the purpose of it was. But the good news is, is that God always through his word shows us exactly what he means by the words that he communicates with us for. And so with that in mind, what we're saying is that Pentecost Sunday is ultimately about God's gospel going to the nations. God's gospel going to the nations by the power of the Holy Spirit. God poured out his spirit in the fulfillment of the promise of the prophet Joel. And Joel said that in the last days, the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all people. And then his sons and daughters would prophesy. They would begin declaring the things of God to the world and to the nations so that they might come to a saving knowledge in God. We are testimony of that happening today in our times. But even as we look back to the Exodus Chronicles and look at what God was doing over the course of those many Many years to bring the Israelites out of their bondage and into the freedom of the promised land of God, we see a foreshadowing of God, what God wanted to do. And so today what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about this focus, that as we follow Jesus into the life of freedom to which he has called us, it matters where you live, to whom you speak, and what message you bring. It matters where you live, to whom you speak, and what message you bring. And how many people can say amen to that? Okay, that God is sovereign in all that he does, ordering our footsteps so that we come to understand that he wants us to embrace where we live to whom we speak and what message we bring. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word to us today, and we thank you that you've given it to us so that we might know you and walk with you by the power of your word and the Holy Spirit. God, we're asking you that you would open to us the message of the gospel that we might embrace with new eyes of faith where we live, to whom we speak, and what message we bring. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we know that we all need three things. We need God's protection, we need God's direction, and we need God's salvation. Amen? We need God's direction, we need his protection, and we need his salvation, again, in that order. And when we look at even the uh, scripture, looking at how the Israelites were coming out of Egypt, we know that Pastor Cole talked about last week, the Israelites coming to the Red Sea, that ultimately the Israelites came to a place that as God was bringing them out, it took some faith for them to come into the place, the land, and the promises that God actually had for them, that God had to come through with miracle power if they were going to do so. Now, let me, let me just say this, though. The only reason that they were able to experience that miracle power, the only reason they were able to come into what God had for them is ultimately they learned to do something. They learned in the course of their journey that they needed God's protection, his direction, and his salvation by learning to follow something called the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, right? the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. How many of you uh, recognize that terminology, right? When you're recognizing the Exodus story and God bringing the Israelites out of Egypt, it wasn't just that they made a run for it, right? It wasn't just that they said, listen, it's time to get on up out of Egypt and I'm making a break for it and hopefully the chariots of Pharaoh won't catch me. They were ultimately following the direction of God. And this is a perfect example for us on Pentecost Sunday because ultimately 
we have the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity that not only empowers us to live a different life in freedom in Christ, but also he leads us, he guides us, he protects us, he directs us, and ultimately brings us into God's freedom and salvation. Amen? And so when we're talking about the pillar of cloud by day and the fire by night, what we're ultimately doing is we're foreshadowing that which we would experience in our lives today by the person of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit would be that same pillar of cloud by day and the fire by night that leads us, guides us, and directs us into God's freedom and purposes for our lives. That God's interaction with us is not a static one, but it's a dynamic one. How many people believe that? That it's a dynamic that we have with God. It's a relationship that we have with God. And when God sets us free, he does it in a proactive manner. And so let's look once again into Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 through 22, where God is leading them to the Red Sea, out through the Red Sea, and then ultimately into the wilderness. It says in verse 17, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Lest they see war too quickly and return to Egypt. And so all of us, if you remember coming out of your bondage to slavery, all of us had a period of time that was called that grace period. Anybody remember the grace period? when it seemed that things were a little bit easier trying to serve God. And then after that came times of war, right? Where you actually had to believe and pray and fast and you get some encouragement from people if you were going to make it in God. But at first it wasn't like that, right? God said, let me take them around a different way so they won't turn back and long for the things that they used to experience in Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. So God says, listen, ultimately, I'm telling you, there's going to be a fight. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. And so ultimately what we see is that this pillar of cloud by day, the fire by night is God's leading in our lives. And God cares about both big things and small things in your life. That's why the scripture very clearly says we need to learn to flex a muscle of acknowledging God. Acknowledging God, not just in the things that we think are important to him, but in all things. Things that seem to matter to us, things that we think God would never speak about. The Bible says very clearly in Proverbs chapter 3, acknowledge the Lord in all, not some, but all of your ways, and he will make your path straight. Isn't that good news? He gives you a promise that God wants to be with you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to bless you, but he does so as you acknowledge him and stop taking your life into your own hands to figure it out, right? How many people know that God's plans for you are better than your plans for yourself? And that whenever God directs us, he also protects us in that which he calls us to do. 
Now, this is important because of the fact that when we just come, are coming out of, again, the reports of uh, horrendous events that have happened in our nation and we continue to mourn with and pray for those who have suffered in the midst of those tragedies, we know that ultimately we hear things like that and we can begin to think to ourselves, it's time to go into self-preservation mode right? Anybody ever felt that way before? You hear, it's not, you know, we live in Chicago, so it's almost like a daily thing for us. I mean, just the other week, down at the Chicago stop, right? Right by that big McDonald's leading to Michigan Avenue, there was another shooting, right? Another shooting, and a couple people were killed, others injured. It wasn't reported nationally because people almost assume that's just what happens here, right? But what about when it happens in Texas? What about when it happens in Buffalo, New York? What about when it happens in Oklahoma, right? All of a sudden, you lose that sense of being able to control your environment. And ultimately, what you find is that if I'm going to ultimately walk in the protection of God, I need to follow God in all that he's called me to be and do. And that the safest place, as Corey Ten Boone said, the safest place that anyone can be is in the center of God's will. The safest place that anyone can be is in the center of God's will. Because whenever God guides, ultimately he also protects. Now, that does not mean that harm will not come to you as he guides. We know that because Jesus Christ himself was led by the Father to a cross where he died a bloody death, ultimately for the purposes of God. But there was a resurrection after that time that ultimately pointed us to the eternal life that's more important in God's eye than, uh, God's eyes than anything temporary that we'll ever experience. And when we're in the middle of God's will, what we begin to see is that the safest place that he's talking about is not just the safest place momentarily, but it's the safest place eternally. Eternally in him, even if it costs you something to follow him. And if we're following God, the places where God calls us to live are not always the most economic, the most convenient, or the most inviting. How many people could say amen to that? Okay? They will, however, be the most fruitful, providing kingdom purpose and freedom for you and your family. Exodus chapter 14, verses 19 through 20 continues to talk about this. It says that, then the angel of God, who was going before the host of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them, leading them right to the Red Sea, to when they stopped and they were at the Red Sea, but Pharaoh's armies were coming behind them. The pillar moved behind them to protect them, right? And stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was a cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. Verse 24 says it this way, And in the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and of the cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into panic. And so where God guides, he also protects ultimately to fulfill his purposes. That nothing's going to touch you until you fulfill the purposes of God if you are actually walking in step with this Holy Spirit. Isn't that good news? Nothing is going to touch you. I love that whenever they came after Jesus during his earthly ministry, he wasn't always a popular man. Everybody realize that? He wasn't always a popular man. And it said that many times during his earthly ministry, they tried to throw him off of a cliff. The B, can you imagine that? The Beatitudes being communicated, and they're like, yo, let's kill this dude. 
<laughs> you know, it's like talking about blessed or the peacemakers. I'm not, I got war in my heart, you know, and it's like they tried to throw him off a cliff, but it said continually that he walked through the crowd, probably with a little theme music, right? Move aside, right? Right? Because it said that they were not able to lay their hands on him because his time had not yet come. His time had not yet come. His time would eventually come where he'd be nailed to that bloody cross. But until that time, he was going to experience the protection of the Father to accomplish the Father's will. And when you're walking with God, with the cloud by day and the fire by night, acknowledging God in all your ways, let me tell you something, nothing will touch you in your career, nothing will touch you in your neighborhood, nothing will touch you in your environment until God himself is done with you. That is the truth of what we see in the scripture. But it's important where we live because it's, we need to keep in step with the Holy Spirit for that to be the case in our lives. Now, it's not just important that we have God's protection, but it's also important that we have God's direction. It matters not only where we live, but as you follow Christ, it matters to whom you speak. You see, because that's what ultimately Pentecost was all about. He said, ultimately, I'm freeing you from your sin. I'm setting you free internally from that which bounds you, just like I'm setting the Israelites free from their slavery in Egypt. But then ultimately, in Pentecost, we see that he turns it from just being inward to outward. He turns our perspective from just being inward to outward. It's not just about me getting free. It's about me testifying to the freedom of God that those around me might become free as well. Isn't that good news, right? It's sort of like I used to love the game back as a kid called Red Rover. Anybody love Red Rover? Anybody remember playing Red Rover? Okay, it was sort of like you cried out in the middle of the schoolyard. You were like, you know, you might have just started with you and the weakest kid in school, but you were determined that you were going to stop somebody from breaking through, right? And you were like, listen, Red Rover, Red Rover, send Big Johnny right over. And Big Johnny was twice your size, you know what I mean? And he came bounding across the like, yard towards you, and you were like, what have I done? You know, and you're like, no, right? But then something supernatural came on you in the schoolyard, and though you and your partner fell down on the ground, and I remember catching people falling down on the ground, you still kept the link? You didn't have that experience? Okay, I had that experience. I was like, Big Johnny came, and I was like, my goodness, he almost broke an arm. You know what I mean? And we were down on the ground, but the link did not break. And then Big Johnny became part of our tribe, right? And so all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Red Rover, Red Rover, right? I, said, I experienced Pentecost before even becoming a believer. I'm just kidding. But the point is, I had power to bring Johnny right over. And in the same way, let's bring this back to the message, okay? <laughs> in the same way, in the same way, Pentecost is ultimately about not only where you live, but bringing, it being important to whom you speak. Because where God places you, he has a message for you to bring to the people by whom you're surrounded. And when he leads you, unfortunately, what we see in the scripture is that many times it's not necessarily the places we would have chosen, but are, they are important for what God wants to do. Exodus 15, verses 22 through 27. We need to understand that you are on mission in the places and with the people around whom God places you, in your family, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, and in your schools. And Exodus 15 tells us a little bit about it. It says, Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea. 
and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Has anyone ever been in a place you knew God called you to be, but it felt like it was dry? Hello now. <laughs> felt like it was dry and you were lacking basic necessities, basic necessities of relationship. Come on, post-pandemic people. <laughs> basic necessities of activities that bring you joy, right? Basic necessities that you think are fundamental to life. Well, let me tell you, when he's talking about the wilderness, he's talking about an analogy of things just like this. God's leading can lead you to a wilderness, God's leading, and it doesn't mean that you're in the wrong place if you're experiencing what's dry. If you're experiencing something where you feel like you lack the basic necessities of life. Let me tell you something. Some of you need to hear that in your marriages, right? Thinking like, I made a mistake. Let me tell you, brother, too late now, right? <laughs> too late now. If you feel like you're in a place where it's been dry for a while, listen, God can turn dry places into springs. God can turn dry places into springs if you choose to understand that God's leading does not always mean that it's going to be easy or convenient for you. And this is what it says. The Red Sea, when it, what they went into it. I said, they, uh, I'm sorry, into Shur. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. <laughs> I love it. Bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule. And there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. Then they came to Elim, where there were twelve springs of water and seventy palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. So literally, they came, by God's leading, to a place that was dry, bitter, didn't have their necessities met, but God supernaturally turned what was bitter sweet. And he did it by what? Throwing that log into the water. Throwing that log into the water. Now, if you don't have a perspective of Christ, you're like, what in the world is that? Well, I guess you'll throw sticks into the water and then all of a sudden it becomes purified? No, it's a foreshadowing, again, of the person of Christ. That when you throw the redemptive gospel into any waters, people can repent. Doesn't matter how they start. People can come to faith. When you throw in the log of that cross on which Christ hung, then you see that Christ on the tree became a curse for us so that we might actually be bought back and redeemed from the curses that we brought on ourselves. And you see that as he was throwing that log into the water, introducing the good news of the gospel into that water, they were able to not only drink from the water, but have those basic necessities met that previously they thought were unavailable to them. And what does that mean for us? 
It means that not only will God meet our every need as we follow him, not every want, but every need, right? Big difference. Come on, gospel people. Big difference. He didn't promise you everything that you want. He said, I'm everything you need. And what you need, I'll give you. What you need, I'll provide for you. What you need, I'll do in you. But then it's not just for you. It's also for the people around you, right? It's also for the people around you because it wasn't just the Israelites who experienced that bitter water, but it was also those who lived in that land, right? And so all of a sudden, we're hearing these stories about these atrocities that happened and over and over again, what condition these young people were in prior to committing those atrocities. They were lonely. They were isolated. They had nothing to look forward to, right, in their own minds. But think about it. What would happen if somebody spoke a word to them and just said, you matter. I see you. I see you. You're here not by accident, but there is a God who loves you. You might be hopeless in the situation you're in right now, but I've got a hope for you. I'm throwing that log. I'm throwing that log into those bitter waters that you've experienced up to this point, and those bitter waters that have caused death in your soul are now going to become sweet. What if we actually were a people who recognized that God, by God's leading, the very people we're surrounded by were the very people that God placed us in front of to turn those bitter waters sweet? When we were in Luxembourg, there was a bridge, and there's a high suicide rate in Luxembourg. And Cole and Evelise remember this as we were going there scouting. It's just an issue there. And one of the young Muslim men that we were talking to was talking about the fact that he, he actually had an experience where he was walking by. He was walking by an individual, and he, he had to check himself because he understood that not everybody who stands near the bridge, you know what I mean, is somebody who was going to try to take their life, but, but, but he just felt there was something different about this individual. And he said, you know what, I, I, I took the time to just lock eyes with him to just lock eyes with him as he was gazing over this bridge that could ultimately had this man plummet to his death. And he said, you know what, I, I don't know what was happening, but I just said, I need him to know I see him. I see somebody sees you. Somebody sees you in this moment. And let me tell you, if, if that did something for that young man to prevent him from doing harm to himself, then we praise God for that, right? But how much more so not just locking eyes with somebody, but understanding that we have the eternal gospel of grace to say no matter where you've been, no matter what you've experienced, no matter what you've done, there is a God who can change your life. There is a God who can turn whatever you've experienced as bitter into something sweet because he's redemptive and he'll turn all of your pain into something for his glory, not wasting any of it but allowing every violation to be turned into a testimony of how God, even in this place, was a healer to the Israelites. He became your healer. And no matter how deep the rabbit hole went, God is able to reach down, touch you, change you, heal you, and set you on a new course. What if it was more than just locking eyes? What if it was recognizing through Pentecost power that it mattered not just where we live, to whom we speak, but also that we actually had a message to bring. What if we actually recognized that? Well, then we would live in the place of seeing God's salvation over and over again. 
And the truth is, is that as you follow Christ, it matters also the message that you bring. Now, I love how when the Holy Spirit changes us, he calls us letters, right? Re letters, literally written by the hand of God. So somebody should be able to look at our lives and read the difference that's actually taking place in our life right now, right? Somebody should be able to tell that if you are actually saying, I'm following Christ, they should be able to see a difference between you and the world. Okay, I need an amen there. Amen. <laughs> okay, <laughs> they should be able to see a difference between the way that you're living, the way that I'm living, and the way that everybody else is living, right? Because God called us to be a, a holy, set-apart people. But what is the message? The message first is validated, validated by the life we live, but it's never replaced. You have to communicate that message. You hear that? A lot of times people are always quoting St. Francis of Assisi, right? Talking about preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Has anybody ever heard that before? <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you who was a preacher of the gospel, St. Francis. So even as he was saying, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words, he was saying that on the heels of him preaching. He was saying the gospel message is validated by your lifestyle. But it does not replace the message that you preach. You get that? We've got to open our mouths to those who are surrounded by those bitter waters and bring a message of salvation. So Acts 17, verse 24 through 31, following the day of Pentecost, what kind of message can we preach in this world in which we live? I love how Paul talked to the Athenians. The Athenians were obviously the center of cultural and intellectual thought at their time, and it is at least comparable to Chicago, right? 44 colleges and universities in this city alone. Did you know there were 44 in the Chicago land area? That's a lot. Over 500,000 students, undergrad, grad, doctorate, in this area alone, who need reasons to believe. So you're not surrounded by dummies. You're surrounded by people who are at the center of cultural and intellectual thought for our nation and the nations. But how did Paul address them during that time? Well, he had a message to bring. And he said this in Acts 17, verse 24. He said, the God who made the world and everything in it. And let me tell you, this is the same message that we preached on the campuses in Luxembourg and France. Let me tell you, where we were ministering in France, it was basically like the Stanford, the Stanford of France. Okay? So much so that the new prime minister there, they don't even talk about her accomplishments. They just say she's from this university. And that's enough for them. She's a polytechnique. And they're like, oh, lead us, <laughs> right? But in the center of this environment, this is what Paul preached. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. You see, again, God set where they lived. That they should do what? Seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. 
as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands. Everybody say commands. He commands all people, say all people, everywhere everywhere. to repent, meaning change your mind and go in a different direction. That means your neighbor, that means your family member, that means your friend, that means your coworker, that means the person you like, that means the person you don't like. He commands all people everywhere to repent. We'll just let that one settle. So this is God's world, right? This is God's world. He said the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And now that God who owns it all says, I command all people everywhere to repent. Meaning I don't just leave them in their futile thinking is what God says. I bring them out and then my people, I put in them a word, a message to deliver so that their bitter waters might turn sweet. And that message is he's commanding them to repent, change their mind, go in a different direction. That which they were living for before in the drunkenness, the sexual morality, right? The lying, the dishonoring of their parents, the addictions. He said that was killing them. But now I'm telling them to turn and be free, just like my people. I command all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. And that's the gospel. Jesus lived sinlessly. Jesus supernaturally showed he was divine by his signs, wonders, and miracles, by the power of that Holy Spirit. Jesus died sacrificially on that cross. And Jesus Three days later, according to the word of the prophets and his own predictions, rose from the dead. Rose from the dead, showing with evidence that he was the son of God who was going to judge the entire world in righteousness. And therefore, he says, repent. Repent. Go in a different direction and let him turn your bitter waters sweet. He can change your life. How do I know? Because he's changed mine. I was one of those same students on the campus mocking the things of God. But when this good news came towards me, he set me free. And when I saw some of the other people of God going out, I was like, just give me some direction. Show me the cloud, of de- of, um, the cloud by day and that fire by night. Show me how to hear God. Show me how to study his word. Show me how to walk with him. And I'm coming out too. And let me tell you, it will be the same for family members, friends, co-workers, and the like, who otherwise, the world would say, has a reputation of not being open to the gospel. But just like we told you at the beginning, we have a different report. (laughs) We have a different report. One last story. The young man who, uh, one of the young men who I uh, was talking to during our outreach in where we were, yeah, we were in Paris that time. Just sat down by him, started talking with him. And he was kind enough to indulge me. And I asked him about his story. Always wanting to hear people's stories first. Where are they coming from, right? What what brought you to the point where you are right now? And he said, you know, told me his story. And he said, you know what? I actually have a girlfriend. 
I have a girlfriend and she believes in God. She's always trying to talk to me about it. I'm like, oh yeah, how do you respond? I'm like, eh. <laughs> I was like, okay, brother. I understand. I was like, eh, before too. I had girlfriends who tried to do the same. My sister remembers, right? <laughs> who like tried to like listen, listen. And the thing about it is I said, okay, but here's, here's the truth of the gospel for you. And I told them how God changed my life and how science and faith coincided and how literally there was a historical evidence for the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And at the end of the day, you know what he said? He said, you know what? I, I appreciate you telling me that story, but I, I think I need to find my own way. And I was like, okay, cool. He said, but I need to read the Bible to do so. Now, that might not sound like a big deal to you, but remember, we're in 1% atheistic France. And he says, I need to read the Bible now and find this way that you're talking about. I need to find this Jesus that you're referring to. You, you get the connection here? The person who said no to his girlfriend just has a random stranger coming up and talking to him because God's leading, and then all of a sudden he's like, wait a minute, I need to open this book to find life. It's the way that you found life. It's the way that we'll all find life. Friends, family members, co-workers, as we recognize God's protection, God's direction, but also the salvation that he wants to bring because of Pentecost power. That is the point of Pentecost Sunday, that he would actually pour out his spirit that we might be a witness to the nations. And as we choose to say yes and amen to that word, we'll see God do miraculous thing after miraculous thing, not only in our lives, but in the lives of those around us. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness towards us today. And God, we thank you that you've given us your word and your spirit that we might not only know you, love you, and walk with you, but that, God, we might actually be a witness of your goodness to the nations. And first and foremost, I want to pray for anybody in here, before we even talk about the Spirit of God coming on people so that they might be a witness. If there's anyone in here who says, you know what? I have been around the things of God throughout my lifetime. I've even heard about the things of God. But truth be told, my life has been bitter because I've never su subjected myself, submitted myself to the Lordship of Christ. I know that I've been my own God. I know I've been in charge of my own life. And I'm asking God today to make me a new person. Is there any person in here who says, I need to give my life to Christ and his lordship today, accepting what Jesus did for me on the cross? If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Anyone at all? Okay, yes. Anyone at all? Okay, good. Well, Father, I pray for each and every person, Father, that young and old alike, you're able to meet us right where we are. And God, we pray that in Jesus' name, that you would make them new by the power of not only your word, but the Holy Spirit and the things that have been bitter, Father, that you would throw that cross into the mix and make it sweet by your redemptive hand. And for everyone else, God, I pray on this Pentecost Sunday, you would fill your people with the power of the Holy Spirit. That just as on the day of Pentecost, where tongues of fire came and rested on them, and they were empowered with boldness to not only rejoice in your salvation, but go out and be a witness of your good news. God, we're praying that that would fill our people, it would fill this place today. In Jesus' name, amen.